Well, I've been sharing for a few weeks on the subject of intimacy, and I want to share a little bit more about that uh, tonight. Who has been doing their little 10-minute thing in the morning? A few of you. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you. You know, as I've said over and over again, you'd be better off doing 10 minutes a day where you just are very deliberate to sit down, open your Bible, get a journal out, put some worship on and write something in your journal, read something in your Bible, talk to the Lord. You'd be better off doing 10 minutes a day than four hours one day and nothing for 10 days because relationship is developed by regular communication. Hallelujah. And when you start to get into a habit like that, it'll start to develop into to deeper and longer communication. But you're better off developing a regular habit of talking regularly with the Lord, letting him speak to you every day because he wants you to get to know him and he loves to hear your voice. And it's so wonderful just to, even if you just jot down one thing that you're reading or one thing that you've been praying for or something that's happened, it becomes a wonderful thing to be able to look back. And uh, I often will just jot down a dream that the Lord's given me or the scripture that I'm reading for the day or, or something that the Lord said to me. And I get, I encourage myself when I when I go back and look at my own journal so I used to say I'm not a journaler and I used to be a very sporadic journaler I started so many journals that would have like two or three pages and then all blank pages and then I'd start a new journal six months later but as I've be, become very deliberate in in developing a, a journaling habit uh, it has been a wonderful discipline for me and a tremendous encouragement so I would encourage you to do the same and um be determined to put legs and action to what your heart and your spirit longs for. And that is fellowship with God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we've been looking at Psalm 16, which I just love. And it is such a beautiful psalm. We're going to start there again today. Psalm 16, verse 3. As for the saints who are in the land... They are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. Now, this is the Father speaking to us. Psalm 16 is a dialogue between the psalmist and God. And, and God speaks and says, as for my saints who are in the land, they are my glorious ones in whom is all my delight. Now, this is how God speaks about you. This is how the Lord feels about you. And he wants you to believe and know that every time you come to him, he is happy to see you. Jesus told us what the father looked like when he told the story of the prodigal son. The moment the son started coming home with his head hung down, having just a little bit of hope in the goodness of God, the father saw him from a long way off, ran toward him, wrapped his arms around him, kissed him, didn't even wait for an explanation, just called for the ring and the shoes and restored all the authority and, and his place in the house and loved him and didn't stop kissing him. And Jesus said that parable to show us who the father is. And he is like that all the time. He doesn't change. He doesn't have moody days. He doesn't go, well, you, yeah, I did that because, you know, you were the prodigal then, but now you should know better. He's like that all the time. That is who God is. God is love. Love that is beyond your ability to humanly comprehend. Love that requires supernatural help to be able to receive and experience. Hallelujah. 
But you know, I believe that we've got to be careful to allow our own hearts to line up with the truth about what God's saying with us. That we might experience it and know it deep in our inner being. Psalm 51 verse 6 says this. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. We've been talking about intimacy. Being into me, see. Lord, I want to know you and I want you to know me. As we become transparent with God. As we open up our hearts. As we learn to trust him. As we begin to discover who he is, our hearts feel free to open up toward him. And as we allow him to see our hearts, we engage in intimacy with God. But you know, I was born again. I was saved when I was uh, 12 years old. And it was it's wonderful to know the Lord. But I didn't really understand the love that he had for me. I didn't really understand just how good he was. I think we're still all on a journey of discovering the goodness of God. But I, um, particularly as I grew up, I would spend most of my prayer time apologizing to God for everything I could think of that I'd ever done wrong over and over and over again. So most of my prayer time, probably 90% of my prayer time, was going over stuff that I'd already asked for forgiveness for. I was really good at repenting. And really bad at receiving forgiveness. I was great at confessing and terrible at receiving. You see, it's by grace we're saved through faith. But we must have faith in the grace of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God's saying, I do. And one day I was in my car saying, I'm sorry for this, Lord. I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for this. Will you forgive me? Please forgive me for this. Please forgive me for that. And I heard the Lord interrupt me and he said, okay. I thought, oh, it really took me by surprise. I thought, what am I going to do now? And I began to realize I didn't actually believe that when I was asking for forgiveness that he went, yeah, sure. Yeah, you're forgiven. Clean. Forgiven. And so many of us live in the hangover of our guilt. Guilt is not a bad thing. Guilt is a good thing because it helps you recognize right from wrong. If you've done something wrong, you should feel guilty. But what you do with that guilt is what's important. If you feel like if you've said something nasty to somebody or you've hurt somebody and you feel bad about it, don't rebuke the feeling of of the bad feeling. Go, oh, I feel like that because that was wrong. That was wrong, God. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. You might go to that person and apologize too. And that's, that's guilt that is healthy. It's your conscience helping you discern between good and evil. But when you say, I'm sorry, God, I shouldn't have done that. You're not allowed to then take three or four weeks or five months to spend paying penance for it and trying to get over the fact that, oh, I did something wrong. Because that is not faith. That is pride, thinking that you can somehow pay for and earn the forgiveness that God freely gives. I remember, um, I've I've told this story before, but I was, when I was younger, I was teaching, singing at a jazz singing school. And I started to get invitations to come and sing in people's bands or sing in the casino and I started to feel quite flattered and I was 
experiencing a lot of rejection at church and, and different things. And I thought, oh, well, that's nice. They like me. That's, that's good. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me inside and he said, no, this isn't healthy for you. You need to, you need to stop this. You need to quit this job. I was like, no, I can handle this. I'm, I'm fine. You know, I go to church. I'm fine. I'm fine. No worries. That feels nice. I like that. Let them keep asking. I'm not going to say yes, but I like this. I like this. And every now and then I'd just feel on the inside, it's not good. You need to stop that. I'm like, no, I'll be right, all right. I'll just push it down. That's okay. No worries. I'm fine. I'm fine. And about three months into it, I was having a prayer time. And I saw a bird flying with a string attached to a rock. And the Lord said, you need to cut that or you're not going to. You're not going to go where I need you to go. And I got such a fright that I rang up and I resigned on the spot. And I I repented. I said, sorry, I didn't listen to you, God. But I felt terrible. And I felt terrible about it for weeks and weeks. And it was in 1995 when the joy was being poured out. And uh, here in, in Australia, we were seeing moves of the joy of the Lord. And people were laughing and and. I'd go out to the front and all I'd do is cry. Oh, God, I'm so terrible. I can't believe that it took me so long to listen to you. Oh, God, here am I supposed to be called to preach and I can't even obey you in the littlest thing. I'm so vain. I'm so selfish. Oh, God, forgive me. And everyone around me is laughing, having a great time. And I get quite annoyed at them. Like, what, these laughing people, you know, they should be serious about God. And, and I'd do this week in, week out, crying. Oh, I'm so terrible. God, have mercy. Please forgive me. Could you ever forgive me? And one day I was at home and I was carrying on like this again. And um, the Lord just prompted me to get up and go to the piano. And so I did. And he gave me a song for me. He spoke to me. And he just gave me the words. He said, you think that you've fallen too far from grace. You hear my voice, yet you still hide your face in shame. But I've covered your sin. I've taken your shame. I've paid all your debts. Now I'm calling your name. And I I began to sing this. I began to realize, God, I haven't even trusted you. You want me just to believe that you've forgiven me. But I still, then I felt bad that I was, you know, hearing the voice of God again, saying that I don't trust him. I'm terrible because I don't even trust God. He said, I want you to trust me that I forgive you. You're clean. The Bible says if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all your unrighteousness. To cleanse you, forgive all your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. To make you as righteous as God. Anyway, I went to the uh, church that night and everyone was laughing again at the altar. And I just went to the Lord and I, I just said, okay, God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you that you forgive me. And boom, I was slain in the spirit. And I, as I was on the floor, suddenly I, I, I turned my head and I had an open vision. And I saw the face of Jesus. And he was looking at me with these eyes. And they were eyes that were soppy in love with me. If you've ever seen someone like madly in love, their eyes are soft. They're just like. That's how he was looking at me. And I was just, I couldn't cope. 
I started laughing and laughing and laughing because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what else to do. I was so overcome. And God comes to help us recognize, God, thank you that you forgive me. Thank you for your mercy. He wants us to experience and know his goodness. You know, we've got to be careful, though, that if there is something going on in our lives, that we listen quickly. Because it's difficult to live in a place of joy and peace when we've got something going on in our lives that God knows very well is is not good for us. And if you don't listen to the still small voice, he'll start to bring other things and other people around you to try and get your attention. If you've got close people to you putting their finger on something that you've had a little niggle from God about, you need to listen and just repent quick. Just give up quick because God loves you. He loves you. He cares about you. Hallelujah. But when you do, you've got to be careful not then to live in the hangover of the guilt. I call it the hangover because it's as though you've, you've gone and you've repented, you've confessed your sin, but then you walk around still with the feelings going on. The Bible says, even if my heart condemns me, he is greater than my heart. Hallelujah. So you are not one who is led about by your feelings. You get led about by the spirit of God. The just live by faith. We don't get led about by how we feel. We can tell our feelings to line up with the experience of God's truth. Hallelujah. He wants us to know truth deep down on the inside. He wants us to so know it that it becomes a reality. That simple verse that if I confess my sin, you are faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. You could take that and if you just chew on it and meditate on it and begin to believe it. God, I've brought you everything that I know to bring. I thank you. I've asked you to have mercy on all of my sin and I receive your forgiveness. When you've been born again, that is you've come to him and recognize I need a savior. When you've recognized that you can't become righteous enough to be joined to God. You cannot become uh, holy and pure by your own efforts. And you acknowledge, I need the Savior. I need Jesus' mercy. And you receive by faith his forgiveness. You exchange your old identity for his new identity. You exchange your sin for his righteousness. You become a new creation. It's called being born again. And when you are born again, you, it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. We're baptized as a demonstration. Our old life is dead. I have been crucified with Christ. I am raised up with him. I am a new person. I'm no longer born of the first Adam. I am born from above, from the last Adam, the holy and the perfect one. Hallelujah. We become new creations in Christ. But then from that point on, we must live by faith in his goodness. We must believe what he says about us. Let me read to you from Mark chapter 12. Verse 31, Jesus is being examined by um, and asked questions by the Pharisees and, and the scribes. And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. 
This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We're called into intimacy with God, where we would know him, that we would allow him to minister to us, that we would minister to him, that we would walk in intimacy with him. And he calls us then to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. But we must learn and accept that God actually wants us to come into agreement with how he feels about us. Because if you don't love yourself with the same measure that you love yourself is is the limit to which you are able to love others. When you are condemning yourself, when you are judgmental towards yourself all the time, as I was, always so judgmental. Catherine, you're not doing well enough. You're not this. You're selfish. You're vain. You're this. You're that. Always judging myself. Always harsh in my criticism of myself. It meant that subconsciously that was the way I treated everybody around me. Always I was looking at faults. Always I was judging other people. Even if I was nice on the outside, inwardly I was limited by how well I loved myself. God wants us just to humble ourselves and begin to be a people who walk by faith. Faith is believing that it is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. Faith is letting that truth go down into the inward parts to it so that it goes beyond the head knowledge and becomes a heart revelation. That when he says, you are my glorious ones in whom is all my delight, we don't go, yes, that's Psalm 16. Yes, that's a good verse. That's true. Isn't that wonderful? We actually take it and let it go. Oh, this is how he feels about me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes, I learned that one in Sunday school. He wants it to be more than head knowledge. He wants it to go down into the inward parts until it becomes something that causes you to begin to rejoice and cry out with with deep spiritual groanings. Lord, give me supernatural strength to be able to be rooted and grounded in this revelation. He wants it to go down so deep that the roots of our heart are grounded in the river of his pleasure for you. That deep down, you know that you know that you know I am absolutely, completely loved. So that you could be like Stephen when he was being martyred and they were, they were accusing him and throwing stones. He was looking up and, say, and his face was shining like that of an angel as he beheld the Lord. Because he knew how the Father felt about him. If you don't believe that you are righteous, you cannot connect with God in intimacy. Because it is the righteous who are as bold as a lion. We're called to boldly approach the throne of grace. But if somehow deep in our hearts, we still believe ourselves to be less than holy, less than righteous, we will subconsciously limit our capacity to have intimacy with God. Because sin brings shame. You think about Adam and Eve in the garden. When they sinned, their first reaction was to hide themselves. But God came so that we could become as righteous as him. Because unless we are as righteous as God, we cannot have fellowship with him. God cannot be 
joined to anything less than perfectly holy. Light can have no fellowship with darkness. Light is the absence of darkness. You must have a complete absence of darkness in you to be able to be joined to God most holy. He can't have fellowship with you unless you are completely holy. And you can't get there by your works. So you must humble yourself and receive the mercy of Christ and believe in faith that when he says you are righteous, you are actually completely righteous. You've got to let it come down into your heart to the place that you actually let your emotions start to come into agreement with that reality. What does it feel like not to be guilty at all? How does it feel to be as righteous as God? Many people are hesitant even to dare to think that or say it because they'll think it's somehow pride. Let me tell you, it is pride for you to think that you could somehow work your way into relationship with God without receiving the righteousness of Christ. We must humble ourselves and become a people who walk by faith in the goodness of God. Amen. Until you start to believe what God thinks about you, you will agree with the lie that you're allowing in your heart. You will judge yourself. You will be critical of yourself and you will be unable to manifest the love of Christ to those around you in the fullness that he desires. To the measure that you love yourself is the measure that you'll be able to love those around you. God's looking for us to come into agreement with what he says, to believe Thank you, God. I'm forgiven. I'm righteous. I'm clean. Even if my feelings aren't there, I'm going to tell my feelings. My God is greater than you. Let me tell you the truth, soul. Why are you downcast within me? Hope in God. Let's remember all his benefits. He has forgiven all your iniquity. What does it feel like not to have any guilt or shame? How does it feel? To wake up and not feel ashamed or guilty or somehow not measure up. If your heart says, I don't measure up, I'm this, I'm that. You need to start expelling the lies and bringing the truth in. Start preaching to your own soul. Start speaking the gospel because it's when you know the truth that the truth makes you free. That word know is to intimately be acquainted with it, to let it come down deep into the innermost parts. Until you begin to believe this, you are limited in your capacity to enter into intimacy with God because you will somehow feel like you don't have enough faith to hear his voice or to see his face. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. But unless you know you are pure in heart, you will somehow subconsciously feel like maybe I could maybe see something. Maybe I could hear something. But when you believe he's made me pure, you will boldly expect to see his face, to speak with him mouth to mouth. Until you come into a place where you say, yes, God, I agree with your truth. I will love myself as you love me. Only then can you actually enter into the depth of intimacy that God has for you. Because only then will you have the confidence to come before his throne. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Rejoice. Hallelujah. 
I want to read to you again from Romans chapter 15, verse 14. I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, you are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge. You are full of goodness. This is what Paul's saying. Yeah, hang on. Only God's good. That's right. It's no longer you who lives, but God who lives in you. He is good. He is holy. He is love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Therefore, if you reckon yourself dead, if you believe that it is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you, that you were crucified, that you agree with God, that today, thank you, God, I cannot earn righteousness. I reckon myself dead. I'm alive to God in Christ. It's no longer Catherine who lives, but Christ who lives in Catherine. Hey, Catherine, you are full of goodness. Because Christ is altogether good. I don't have a little bit of Christ. You're a bit good. It's either I'm dead or I'm not. I have been crucified with Christ. And I must come into agreement with this reality because unless I believe it, I will not walk in it. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you think yourself a little bit good, you'll behave a little bit good. If you think yourself full of goodness, you'll just be looking for someone to leak on. You'll be looking for someone to, to share his glorious goodness with. You won't be looking for someone to come and say, hey, give me some affirmation. Help me. Make me feel better. Because you'll already be overflowing. You'll be looking for a way to manifest his goodness as it pours out through your very pores. That's why if you took 10 minutes a day just to remind yourself of this reality, you would not get caught up in the web of lies that the enemy is continually trying to sticky you up with. He wants to come around you. And let you live in the hangover of all the things that you've done wrong and your past guilt, shame, condemnation. He wants you to believe that you are somehow a mere human. When in fact, it's no longer you who live, but God who lives in you. And he is altogether righteous. If you've got, had a doctor tell you you're full of disease, you can speak the truth. You are full of goodness. Hallelujah. You are full of goodness. Body, you are full of goodness. Hallelujah. If you've got depression or fear or anxiety trying to overwhelm you, you can say, uh, 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 uh. no, that is not who I am. That is not coming from inside of me because it is no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. That is a deceiver coming to try and take away my, my peace and my joy. No. Let me tell you the truth. The truth is I am full of goodness because I am full of God. How do you feel about yourself today? God wants you to know that he loves you more than life. And he wants you to come into a place where you start to agree with him and you start to love yourself. Now Martin Luther, he tried for a long time to 
feel righteous. And he'd do all the things that the monks would do. He'd, he'd whip himself till he bled and his back was, was bleeding with the whips, trying to purge himself of sin. He, he'd go and spend time out in the snow, freezing to death until his monk brothers came and had to drag him back inside saying, Martin, you're going to die. Come back inside. He did everything he knew to try and get rid of the feelings of sin and guilt and shame. And he still didn't believe that he was forgiven. But then one day as he was reading the scripture, he got the revelation that just shall live by faith. He got the revelation that oh, I am justified. I am justified not by my works, but by faith in the grace of God. You know, this is a revelation that the Holy Spirit wants us not to have theologically, but he wants us to know it experientially. He wants us to truly experience what it looks like to be just as if we've never sinned. Just as if you've never sinned, justified by the Spirit of God. You won't, if you say, well, I feel like a hypocrite, you have to start realizing that you are not allowed to define yourself by your past or what you've done or how you feel. The truth of God is higher. The truth of God is what we live by. We live by faith in the Son of God, not by faith in our performance, not by faith in who we think we are or how well we're doing. We live by faith in the Son of God who lives on the inside of us. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are full of goodness. When you start to believe that about yourself, you can start to love other people. When you start to agree with God, you can start to come into agreement with what he thinks about you and you can start to love other people. I remember I was praying for a family member that, um, you know, family members, we can be tougher on than we are with people outside. Now, I can be gracious to a lot of people, but when it comes to, you know, family, I'm like, they should know better. And I was tough on, on this one and I... I'd be try to be nice on the outside, but on the inside, I'm thinking, yeah, I don't like that. I don't like the way they're doing that. They shouldn't do that. No, I don't like that. And I would judge them on the inside, smile on the outside. On the inside, we think, I hate that. They shouldn't do that. They should know better than that. That's terrible. Why are they doing that? I hate that. Don't do that. Hey, nice to see you. Yeah. Look at the way they were dressed. Don't they know better than that? And... The more I would try to help them come back to Christ, the further they seemed to get. Until one day, I was, um, I was actually talking with, uh, with this friend in uh, Pennsylvania. And he was talking about some young men that he was um, discipling. And he was saying, oh, and we love to sing that song, Your Thoughts Define Me. And then I thought about it, those, your thoughts, there's a song that sings, your thoughts define me, you're inside me. It's the song, Abba Father. But as I began to think about that song, the Lord just spoke to me and he said, you know, you are defining that one with your thoughts. 
because you are the only experience of God that they are open to right now. And the way you look at them, the way you think about them is defining them. And so I, I deliberately changed my thinking about this person. I began to treat them as though they were already saved. When I'd think about them, I'd imagine them worshiping God. I began to talk to them with respect as though they were already a brother and sister in, or sister in Christ that I respected and loved. And as I began to speak to them like this, suddenly their hearts started to open. And they came closer and closer to me and to God. But I was a bit worried. I thought, oh, you know, I don't know if this is okay. You know, how are they going to know that they're doing the wrong things, you know, if I don't point out the wrong things? So I had a dream. God is kind to Catherine. I had a dream. And in this dream, I was bringing this person to the Lord. No, I was bringing the person in the dream to a doctor. I brought, brought them to the doctor and I sat them down. And the doctor then left the room and he went out and came back in with this pile of presents. And this pile of presents, as he walked in back into the room, he gave them to this person. And I looked at the doctor and said, what are you doing? And the doctor looked at me and he said, you don't know how special they are. And as I woke up and I talked to the Lord, I knew the Lord was speaking to me saying, I want to lavish my love and my goodness and my kindness on them. And he gave me permission in my heart to do the same. That if I love them, if I just unconditionally love them, if I just show the goodness and kindness of God, if I just lavishly love them, that he, doctor, daddy, God, would do everything that needed to be done. The, the word of God says that it's the goodness and kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And so instead of worrying about who's going to correct them if I don't correct them, I mean, they're adults. Who's going to correct this person if I don't correct them? Instead, I changed it and I just began to love. I just began to show kindness. I just began to speak to them with respect. I began to think about them differently. I lavish love on them. And now the relationship's amazing. It's so beautiful what the Lord's done. God's looking for us to treat every person around us with the same respect. If you're looking at people and saying, oh, I don't like this and they shouldn't have done that and I did this, they're going to pick it up. They're going to see it. They'll see it in the back of your eyes. They'll see how you feel. They'll know that you're judging them. And they're not going to be want to be around someone who's judging them. The Bible says Jesus was the friend of sinners. They want to be around someone that's looking at them saying, come here, I love you. Come here. Come here, I love you. And as we manifest the love of God, the kindness of God. It is only then that they will begin to open their hearts and come to repentance. Hallelujah. You cannot trust somebody you don't know. We must show the world what Jesus looks like. They've got a picture of someone that's against them, that's angry at them. But if they could see him as somebody who looks at them and loves them more than life, who looks at them with eyes full of love, they will be drawn to his kindness and they will receive his mercy. Hallelujah. How do you feel about yourself? God wants you to be so in love with him that you believe what he says about you, that you let his perfect love cast out all fear, 
that you would walk in righteousness, that you'd walk in freedom, that you would know the truth and the truth would set you free from doubt and shame and guilt and condemnation, that you would walk in the revelation of the kindness and the goodness of God, that everyone around you would be free to see him, to experience him. God is good and he is able to save. Hallelujah. He is the one who will draw them and he wants to let the light of God be seen through you and I. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy, God. Holy Spirit, come. Father, for those ones, Lord, here who've been struggling with shame and condemnation, Lord, I just ask that you would just speak truth to their hearts today. Lord, that you would help them love themselves as you love them. Lord, that you would help them believe in the goodness of God. That you'd help them receive the grace, Lord, of God by faith. That they would be the just, the righteous who live by faith. Lord, help them enter into a, a reality that their emotions come into agreement with that they are the righteousness of God in Christ, that they are pure. Lord, that they might have the boldness to see you, to know you, to experience you. Thank you for your mercy, God. Thank you for your grace. Why don't you just put your hand on your heart right now? Lord, I just pray for these hearts here. Lord, for people that have been wounded, God, with words and pain, oh God, that people have been wounded with the lies of the enemy that have told them that they are worthless, that they are selfish, that they're unkind, that they're vain or whatever it might be. God, I thank you that you speak the words that they are forgiven. They are clean. They are righteous. Lord, that as they come to you and confess their sin, you are faithful and just to forgive them and cleanse them from all unrighteousness, to give them power to walk in holiness. Lord, that they would walk in a holy confidence that manifests your goodness. That they would walk free from sin. That they would choose to hear your voice and listen, to respond to you. Holy Spirit, I thank you. I ask you to heal the hearts of your people. And Lord, bring them into alignment. Let their hearts resonate with the truth, God. Let them sing the song that you sing over them. Let them come into agreement. And Lord, let them feel and know and experience your goodness. Thank you, Jesus.